As of today, Thursday, August 30th, it's been exactly 200 days since the last NFL game was played. Husbands everywhere have been mowing lawns and doing yard work. Boyfriends have been taking their ladies out on dates. But in exactly one week from today, these men will suddenly disappear. And those flowers that you would come home to every Friday after a long day at work? (laughs) Well, those will turn into a 24 case of beer. These men won't be gone for good. But every Sunday, the man that you once loved will vanish to the confines of their basement, limited to the restrictions of however far their arms may reach. Sons, daughters, wives, and girlfriends will hear the ever-so-common phrase, Honey, could you grab me a beer? (laughs) Now, don't take this as an insult. When I was a boy and I brought my dad a cold one on a Sunday afternoon, his eyes lit up the same way mine did on Christmas morning. So cherish these next seven days with the man that once reciprocated his love for you. What? Oh, that's today? Well, never mind, because his fantasy draft is today. And that means football is back, baby. Sit back and enjoy this fantasy football preview. If your fantasy football draft is coming up this week, this is one you won't want to miss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ryan's World Tour, Volume 1. I am your host, Ryan Poirier. For the past week, I've been speaking with NFL reporters all over the United States. Who should you draft first? What sleepers should you take in the later rounds? What rookies are going to give you the best shot at winning your Fantasy Football League's ultimate prize? I found the answers to all of these questions, so you wouldn't have to. Well, I'm gonna just—I'm just gonna come right out and say I'm gonna avoid giving any straight draft uh, advice. Okay, so maybe not all of my experts were so keen on the hard takes, but nonetheless, if you pay close attention, then these experts will help guide you to the fantasy promised land. Alan Sturk, Falcolok, Nation. Uh, my name's Connor Lively, and I write for Blogging the Boys, SB Nation, um, and I do some draft work as well for ProFootballTalkLine.com. Darren Urban, AZCardinals.com. Eric Backrack. reporter for the National Yeah, it's Greg Allman. I cover the Bucks for The Athletic. I'm Jason Gilder, contributor with Wolfbeat, um, which is part of FanSided. Mark Podolsky, the news herald in Bloomby, Ohio. Uh, Matt Newell with the Indianapolis Star. On the first stop of this tour, we head to Cleveland, Ohio, the home of the Cleveland Browns. Last year, the Cleveland Browns finished their campaign with a winless record, becoming the last place team in the NFL and the second team to ever finish 0-16. Fresh off their humiliating season, The Browns selected Baker Mayfield first overall and signed a handful of big names in free agency. Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor, and Carlos Hyde are just a few of those names. But can a precious fantasy draft pick be used on a team 
that has been as bad as the Cleveland Browns? Mark Podolsky of the News Herald has the answer to that. Absolutely. I mean, I remember a column, I think there's nine liable players that you can take in any sort of format. I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield is a great candidate for a dynasty league, but if you're just in a standard league, especially a point for catch league, I mean, Jarvis Landry would be a real good option for a wide receiver, too. He's a guy that led the NFL in receptions the last four years. He's had, I think, two 100 catch seasons the last four years. And, you know, Tyron Taylor's going to throw the ball a lot to him. You know, I, I would expect him to be in that 100 catch range, closing in on 1,000 yards and a handful of touchdowns. So he's good. I like, uh, I like high. I mean, Taylor, if you're looking for a backup quarterback, you got to get average about three, four hundred yards rushing a year. It's you know four to six rushing touchdowns. I mean that's that's great value. But what about that old wild card, Josh Gordon? You know, the Cleveland Brown wideout with that immense talent could be the best wide receiver in the world if he stayed away from the drugs. Yeah, that Josh Gordon. The guy who served two suspensions in his college career while playing for the University of Baylor. The guy who's missed almost four straight years of his NFL career for violating their substance abuse policy. And the guy who is currently hurt heading into week one of this season. You're talking about Gordon. He hasn't even taken a snap yet in a preseason game. Mm -hmm. He's only been back for a few days. You know, he's going to be we head on down to the NFC, to the sunny city of Tampa Bay, Florida. For the seventh time in nine years, the Bucks finished their campaign in last place in the NFC East and outside of playoff contention. After picking up 19 touchdowns with USC as the Trojans' starting running back in his junior year, Ronald Jones found a home in Tampa Bay after getting selected in the second round. But even with the absence of former number one running back, Doug Martin, Jones will still have to fight for a spot in his freshman year with the Bucks' fellow running back, Peyton Barber. Greg Oman, Bucks reporter-writer for The Athletic, offers his advice for what to do about drafting any of the Bucks' running backs. I think, I mean, given where these guys probably are going in drafts, it's a late-round thing where it's kind of a... I don't know, a sleeper or a backup for most fantasy teams. So I would tell you that Peyton Barber is the safer option. I mean, he's, he's probably going to start the year as a guy that gets more carries. But I think Ronald Jones might be the smarter fantasy play just because he's much more likely to um, kind of over-exceed expectations, I think. Um, he's a big play guy. They got him knowing that he added an element to their offense they haven't had. Uh, so I think... Peyton Barber probably goes higher in drafts right now, but I think given that it's a kind of a bottom five round type deal, um, I would like Ronald Jones as maybe a guy that has more upside of the two. Let's take a break from these bottom dwellers and head back up the I-95 to Nashville, Tennessee. Baby, 
where we look at one of the bright spots from last season. After finishing the season 9-7, the Titans booked themselves a ticket to the playoffs and won a thriller against the Chiefs in the wild card. Their Cinderella story would fall short, however, after the Patriots did what the Patriots do and thumped the Titans 35-14. After the Titans shocked a lot of people in the country, their future looks bright. The only question that remains for fantasy owners is who will be the go-to running back that the Titans rely on to put up big fantasy numbers. Eric Bacharach, reporter for the Tennessean, delves into that question. You know, Derek Henry versus Deion Lewis, to me, um, you know, like I said, is, is probably the most frequently question I get of one of them, um, you know, this time of the year, uh, just because nobody really knows how it's going to play out. Uh, to me, uh, you know, Derek plays for a really big year. He's running behind a, a really strong line. Um, and at the same time, Deion Lewis uh, should go to, you know, a significant chunk of the workload as well. Uh, to me, that, that split in terms of carries, um, if, if I had to put a number on it right now, it would probably say 60-40, um, with Henry getting, you know, the, the larger share, obviously. Uh, so, to me, he's, he's the safer pick. And speaking of those Patriots, let's head up to Foxborough. As we've already mentioned, what the Pats do best is thump teams and destroy Cinderella stories. Since 2001, there's been two times that Tom Brady's Patriots haven't won an AFC East title. And even last year, when the entire Patriots receiving core was on the IR, when Tom Brady's head trainer stirred up a hot mess of drama in the Patriots front office that led to the trading of backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, when touchdown machine Rob Gronkowski played the majority of the season with an injury, the Patriots still managed to book a ticket to their third Super Bowl in four seasons. This year, Brady is again without his star wide receiver in Julian Edelman after he tested positive for PEDs. So the Boston Journal's Christopher Price details who Brady's new best friends will be when he looks for his touchdown targets. Well, there's going to be a couple of guys. You know that Gronkowski and James White would be tremendous parts of the offense regardless, even if Edelman was in there, but those two guys are going to be counted on even more over the course of the first four games without Julian Edelman in the lineup. I've only said this half-jokingly, but the Patriots' record for most catches in a season by a running back is 77. It was set by uh, Leroy Thompson, I believe, back in uh, 1986. He's a guy who, James White is, He's a guy who might be able to uh, surpass that or at least come very close to it. So White's going to be a very important part of the passing game. Rob Murkowski's going to be a very important part of the passing game. There are going to be some other guys there, Cordero Patterson, um, you know, Chris Hogan, who are going to get their touches, who are going to get their opportunities. A guy to keep in mind in the early going, uh, as well as over the course of the season, that he's not going to be an overwhelming offensive option, but Jacob Pollister, a young tight end, had a lot of success this spring and this summer. Looked very, very good. Again, this is not the type of guy who's going to get you a bunch of catches, but he has the potential to surprise, especially over the course of the first four games without Julian Edelman. One of the newest additions to the Patriots lineup this year is running back Sony Michel. Though the Patriots aren't known for having a star-studded running back lead their team to victory, Michel's numbers at the University of Georgia say otherwise. 
not to mention he was drafted in the first round. The kid is pretty good, but Christopher Price says, slow down if you're looking for this rookie to put up all-star numbers out of the gate. I think when you talk about Sony Michel, at least at this stage of his career, we need to manage expectations around him for a few reasons. First of all, he's had the health issues with the knee. He was back out on the practice field for the first time in a long time the other day. The other thing is the way the Patriots handle their running backs. There's, uh, I don't want to say there's no rhyme or reason, but they're a week-to-week, scheme-to-scheme, opponent-to-opponent sort of team. Um, so ultimately, really... When you look at Michelle, he's a guy who, at least for me, is going to be part of a rotation, at least to start the year. But if he plays like I think the New England management believes he's capable of, I can see him eventually evolving into a Deion Lewis by the end of the year. That is to say, the sort of guy who might be capable of 15 touches a game, the sort of guy who might be capable of uh, you know a touchdown or two here or there really basically the closest thing this team has to a feature back. So ultimately, to answer your question, you look at him at the start of the year with caution, but he's certainly a guy with tremendous room for growth and tremendous room for potential as the year goes on. We continue the AFC tour and head out west to the City of Angels. For the first time since 1960, the Chargers moved back home to Los Angeles, where they begun their inaugural season. Despite starting the 2017 campaign 0-4, the Chargers clawed their way back to contending for the playoffs. Their winning record, however, wasn't enough to beat out the other wildcard contenders they were tied with, Buffalo and Tennessee. After missing the entire 2016 season due to an ACL tear, the Chargers' number one wideout returned last season. Keenan Allen proved that he has the potential to put up top wide receiver numbers when he manages to stay healthy. Not only was 2017 Allen's best year yet, but it was also the first time that Allen played a full 16-game campaign. But if you're looking to take Allen in the first round, you might be buying a little bit too much into the hype, as Jason Gilder of Fansided will let you know. I mean, a healthy Keenan Allen, I think you can see potentially top five, top three yards for or numbers, excuse me, for a wide receiver. You could look at over 100 receptions, I'm thinking like around 110, um, hovering in the 1,400-yard range. Whether he is a top 10 overall fantasy player, I don't agree with that, just because you look at, there's probably at least four, five, six running backs that are in that top ten, maybe seven. Um, I'll take Julio, A.B., Antonio Brown, uh, Odell Beckham, and DeAndre Hopkins probably over Keenan Allen. Um, again, I think he could be a top five wide receiver, whether he's a top ten overall player. Um, I don't totally believe that. Definitely top 15 or top 20. Though. We stay on the West and cruise into Arizona our first and only team that we'll be looking at from the NFC West. A boring Arizona Cardinals team that finished the season at 8-8 doesn't garner much excitement, but for fantasy footballers, one name certainly gets the blood pumping. After being the projected number one overall pick on nearly every draft in 2016, David Johnson lived up to the hype with his 16 touchdowns. The following season, Johnson was behind Le'Veon Bell on most draft boards, 
but still held a strong case for being named one of the NFL's best. But after only one game and 11 touches, David Johnson's season was done after a wrist injury. I was joined by Darren Urban, who reports for the Arizona Cardinals on their website, so I had to ask him the burning question that's on every fantasy drafter's mind this year. How good do you think that uh, David Johnson can be when he's healthy and at his best, and do you think that he warrants a first overall draft pick in, in some of these fantasy drafts? Well, I, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna come right out and say I'm gonna avoid giving any straight draft uh, advice. Um, just okay. That's that's a little that's a little beyond my I I don't want to tell a person how they necessarily spend their first overall pick. Yeah, here's a better question then. Here's uh I'll I'll, I'll rephrase it. Do you think that sure. David Johnson could be the number one running back in the NFL if he's healthy? I, I do. I mean, I, I think uh, we're, we're still going to have to kind of see where we go in terms of how this offense plays out. This is a different offense than David Johnson last played in with Bruce Arians, where obviously not only was he featured a ton, but they threw him the ball a lot as a receiver. So that's kind of where his 2016 season was uh, built upon. Uh, he's going to be the workhorse for this team. He is going to get a ton of touches. Uh, I would anticipate actually him running the ball more often in this offense than he did in the last one. The question is now, how often is he going to catch the ball? It's kind of tough to tell with how they've done the preseason um, because they're just not going to give a lot of snaps to David Johnson. I would anticipate they're still going to throw it to him a ton. But again, how they deploy him like that, especially in this offense in which they're probably going to throw a lot shorter passes than the previous one, uh, it's really hard to tell exactly what kind of uh, production he'll be able to give you, but uh, he's he's fully healthy and he's in great shape and he's looked really good so far. So if, if he gets the opportunities, yeah, I think he's got a chance to be the best running back in the league. Another potentially high fantasy pick on the Cardinals roster is in wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald. Out with the old and in with the new for the Cardinals this year, as Sam Bradford will be taking over Carson Palmer's starting quarterback position. But does that necessarily affect Larry's fantasy game? Well, I mean, I would. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, ultimately, Larry Fitzgerald has had three straight 100-catch seasons, uh, so they've been throwing him the ball a ton, and I don't know how much different it would really be because of Sam Bradford. Um he's he's clearly the number one offense or the number one receiver in this offense so that's part of it I would assume uh, in terms of how people are looking at it but I would say Sam Bradford doesn't necessarily make him a better or a higher draft pick in my estimation I would say having Sam Bradford after you lost Carson Palmer I think does give you a reason to feel like Larry Fitzgerald can continue to produce like he has the last couple of years I'll put it that way On the seventh leg of this trip, we roll right along with the NFC and head to Atlanta. Though the Falcons found their way into the divisional playoffs last year, much of their season was highlighted by surprise and disappointment for their failure to replicate what they did in the previous season that found them contending for a Super Bowl versus the New England Patriots. The disappointment came from a Matt Ryan that failed to get a good jump out of the gates and put up the same numbers he was able to in the years previous. Is Matt Ryan destined for a revenge year 
And can you trust drafting him as your number one quarterback? Or is your value elsewhere? Alan Stark from SB Nation's blog, The Falcoholic, has the answer to that. I think in the 12-man league you can, although you are pushing it a bit. I do think he's definitely top 12 caliber 10. I think there's good value out there if you want to pick somebody like a Carson Wentz or maybe even Matthew Stafford. Just because Detroit's offense, you know they're going to throw the ball 600, maybe 650 times just because they've had a running game in about over a decade at this point. With Atlanta, they're going to be looked to be balanced because that's when they're most effective. But I think Ryan definitely has... Uh, more of a positive year in the touchdown part. I know that was a lot of discussion last year, but given the improvement with, you assume, Ridley coming in and Hooper taking the next step in his development, that Ryan could get back to that 25, 27 best touchdown category. If you're looking for rookies to put up big numbers this year, then look no further at former Alabama standout Calvin Ridley. The two-time national champion went 26 overall to the Falcons, and will look to prove that his talents with the Crimson Tide can transition smoothly into the NFL. Stark talks about what we might see from Ridley this year. So I think how Steve Sarkeesian wants to use him this year, given that he does have a year of experience coaching at Alabama, is they're going to try to combine him and Sanu in a way where Sanu, even though he primarily handles the slot responsibilities, really is just so shifty and he's just like Robert Ryan that they're going to have to use him in the slot just because he's such an asset there. So you might see him up in the slot, but on the outside, they're going to, how they can connect him, Sanu, and of course with Julio, to be very fascinating to watch because they like using a lot of trips formations to create those mismatches. So it wouldn't surprise us he really maybe like 50 catches and 800 yards. He's going to be their big play threat. You want him, they're going to want him to stretch the field and make sure the safeties uh, at least have that respect because others haven't had it down for the threat other than Julio in quite some time. Let's take a break from the NFC and move this tour bus up on into Indianapolis and the AFC. In 2017, the Indianapolis Colts finished 4-12 and failed to make the playoffs for their third straight season. After an injury to Andrew Luck before the start of the new campaign, the team turned to Scott Tolson and Jacoby Brissett. With Luck's absence, the team not only failed to win football games, but everyone else's fantasy production was diminished as well. One of those guys was T.Y. Hilton. Once a star wide receiver, Hilton struggled to put up top receiver numbers that fantasy owners once became accustomed to. Now that Andrew Luck is back for the 2018 season, one question remains. Does that up T.Y. Hilton's fantasy draft stock? Nat Newell, reporter for the Indianapolis Star, shares his take. He has always been great down the field, and Luck is great throwing the ball down the field. Um, the only reason not to be excited about him is if they're really, really, really serious about the short, quick passing game. Hilton's numbers are way better down the field um, than they are when he catches short passes. Um, obviously, that was a different offense, so who knows, but I think, you know, 1,200 yards, and uh, he's not a touchdown guy, so five or six touchdowns um, is what I would expect. In recent memory, the running back position in Indianapolis has never offered much upside to fantasy owners. But after finishing the season strong, Marlon Mack takes over the number one running back position and presents some optimism for Colts fans. However, Newell disagrees with that sentiment and offers his very honest opinion regarding what Colts running back you should take in your fantasy draft. 
Um, I would start with none of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you have to take one, Marlon Mack is the guy. Uh, there was, I believe, he had a higher percentage of runs bit at or behind the line of scrimmage than any other running back in the NFL last year. Um, but he also had one of the highest uh, boom plays, uh, 15 yards or more, I think is what the what I used uh, measuring that. Um, so if he could cut his bust plays from one-third of his carries to, to maybe one-fifth or something like that, he'd be interesting. Um, he played with a shoulder injury last year. Is that going to help him a little bit more when he runs between the tackles to be healthy this year? Certainly could. Of course, he's already gotten hurt. Um, again, another reason not to Another reason to be less excited about him is that Frank Reich's um, history is to use lots and lots of running backs um, and doesn't generally have one guy he relies on. So if you got to take a running back, take Marlon Mack, but I wouldn't be so excited about him. As this NFL fantasy tour bus comes to a stop, we head on down south to the Lone Star State and visit Dallas, Texas. After a 2016 campaign that saw the Dallas Cowboys soar to the top of the NFC and emerge as one of the best teams in football, their 2017 campaign can only be described in one way. Complete and utter failure. Their disappointments last season ranged from Ezekiel Elliott's suspension for violating the NFL personal conduct policy, where he was accused of beating up his girlfriend on five different occasions, to Dak Prescott's underwhelming season. We start with Prescott. After a 2016 season that saw him win NFC Rookie of the Year after taking over at quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys, Dak failed to deliver the next year. He tripled his amount of interceptions, he threw for 300 yards less, and he saw his passing percentage drop by 5%. Though there might not be much trust in Prescott now, Rookie wideout Michael Gallup offers some courage to the once-hopeless Dallas Cowboys passing game. SB Nation's Connor Livesay has more. Yeah, you know, I I really like Michael Gallup. Um, As you mentioned, he's not a guy that I think you're going to target in the the first first round, second round, third round. I think he's a a good guy that you want to target in the later rounds due to the offense the Cowboys run. Um, But I think Michael Gallup, by the you know, midpoint of the season, he might not be the Cowboys, you know, wide receiver one, but he might be the guy who's putting up the best stats week in and week out due to his ability to separate downfield. Uh, you know, he's got good hands. He's a good route runner. So he's going to fit in well in that offense due to his route running ability and uh, the connection that he has made with Dak Prescott uh, this offseason. Now we move on to the next guy. When his primary focus is on football, Ezekiel Elliott has put up scary numbers. On the field, Elliott can be the best player in the world. And Livesay says that Elliott has the opportunity this year to be even better. Um, I think, you know, like you said, he, he played um, you know, 10 games last year. Uh, some of those were good, some of those weren't so good um, for him. But as you mentioned, you know, he's, in my opinion, a top three running back in the NFL. Uh, I think this offense is built around him and the offensive line. They've spent, you know, draft picks on the offensive line. They've paid their offensive linemen to make sure that there's someone blocking in front of him to make him the featured player on that offense. Um, I think he's going to be in for a huge year. Uh, you know, he's going to get more involved in the passing game with, with guys like Jason Witten and Des Bryant no longer on the team. So I think you could see his targets up 
um, in the passing game. And then I think he's going to touch the ball more than he ever has in Dallas. And if, if you are familiar with the Cowboys' offense, he's already touched the ball a ton. So the fact that he's probably going to get get even more this year is going to be a huge uh, get for him in fantasy. Now that just about does it for the first volume of Ryan's World Tour. Today we learned that if you have doubts on the Browns this year, that's okay. But if you doubt the points their players can put up for your fantasy team, you might be doing yourself a disservice. We learned that quarterbacks who had bad 2017 campaigns can make a comeback and have revenge years in 2018, but use caution when deciding to take that risky draft pick. We also learned that in New England, the Patriots are going to do what the Patriots are going to always do. Thump teams, destroy Cinderella stories, and pass the ball. So be careful when deciding to invest into that new Pats running back. If you are looking for rookies to steal this year, keep your eye out for freshman wide receivers Calvin Ridley and Michael Gallup. We thank you for jumping on this bus and coming along for the ride. This has been Volume 1 of Ryan's World Tour. Until next time, folks.